0: Friends, Greg Kokel here, and of course, the show is Stand a Reason. And I am on right now with one of my best buddies, uh, the great author of "I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist at All," Mr. Frank Turek. Frank, welcome to be welcome to the show. Thank Always you. great to be on a show I listen to every week, so I can't wait to hear this, Greg. <laughs> yeah, he was just razzing us, uh, you know, we, we're driving Amy up and driving me down on SDR Ask, but hashtag SDR ask. But you're right. She's great, and uh, she's the center of the show as far as I'm concerned. I got my shot here, but she she really shines on hashtag SDR Ask, which, by the way, if people don't listen to that and you listen to this, you ought to listen to that too because you get Amy and you don't get her now. But I got Frank, and uh, you have just uh, are re-releasing a book that, uh, correct, not politically correct, uh, that came out how many years ago? Did that book come out?
1: Well, the first edition came out in 2008. The second edition came out in 2016, and the third edition came out in 2023 so just a couple of months ago, Uh because of the transgender issue. Uh, The the book was originally called Correct, Not Politically Correct, How Same-Sex Marriage Hurts Everyone. Now it's called Correct, Not Politically Correct, About Same-Sex Marriage and Transgenderism. And Greg, this is, as you know, uh, is not a biblical case against Christianity. I'm not quoting Bible verses in here, or against uh, same-sex marriage or transgenderism. Um, I'm providing natural law, medical evidence as to why uh, both same-sex marriage and transgenderism are not good for individuals or society.
0: Yeah, and, and that's great. I call it the external approach, because obviously biblical arguments are not going to resonate with the non-Christian world, and frankly, they don't always resonate with the Christian world either. That's right. So uh, before I get into this, though, uh, I'm getting on a plane to follow—to come out to see you tomorrow— you know, and we're doing CIA as we've done. And uh, I know a couple of weeks ago we sent out a notice because there are a couple of uh, openings that were available. But those, I don't know if those have been filled or everything's closed down or not. Actually, if people will be listening to this tomorrow it's going to be too late for them to get on a plane to come out but i just wanted to underscore this wonderful program that we are we've been doing together for years it's your brainchild and you've been gracious enough to invite me to be part of it cross examine instructor academy so uh just just that's just a shout out to you um and i'm looking forward to seeing the whole crew tomorrow so um but there are two issues here originally c- correct not politically correct was about same-sex marriage, and now you got transgender, which is the big thing front and center. And, I, you know, I'm really surprised about this whole thing, because I thought that once Obergefell became law, essentially with the Supreme Court in 2015, that all of this stuff was going to quiet down. And okay, the left got its way on this issue, same-sex marriage and everything. Um, the transgender issue and gender dysphoria wasn't even on the. It wasn't. It, it. I mean, there was a little vibe about it here and there, but it wasn't even uh, really in, uh, on the radar for most people. And all of a sudden, it just absolutely exploded. And um, I'm not actually sure what happened. I have some thoughts about that, but what? What are your thoughts on that? The explosion of this whole issue. It's a cause celeb now, of course. And uh, what's going on? Well, actually, I just learned something the other day about this,
1: Greg. I was talking to Dave Rubin. I don't know if you know who he is. He he identifies as gay, Mm -hmm. but on many issues, he's conservative. I was on his program. He wanted me to talk about I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. So I had him on mine just uh, last week. And one thing he said I did not realize is that once, as you said, same sex marriage became imposed on the entire nation through what the Supreme Court did. I thought it would it would calm down, too, but it didn't. And one reason it didn't, Greg, according to Rubin, is because the human rights campaign, the activists needed a new cause to keep the money Mm -hmm. coming in. Mm -hmm. And so they jumped on the transgender issue and the money kept coming in. Hmm. And so they've been pushing that. And actually, people who consider themselves uh, LGBT right now are in a bit of a civil war with the T's, Greg, because if the T's get their way, that there are no fixed genders, the L's, the G's and the B's don't exist. That's right. That's right. They've defined them out of existence. Mm -hmm. And as you know, in fact, Douglas Murray, who also identifies as as homosexual, Mm -hmm. who is conservative on other issues, recently said on a program, he said support for same sex marriage is waning. In America. And you know why it's waning? Because it's tied now to the whole transgender issue. Yeah. And when you start coming after people's kids, they're going to start waking up. And that's yeah. what's going on.
0: Yeah. Well, this is that's kind of a kind of a sociopolitical analysis. And some of that I, I was aware of, but others I haven't been. And the, this is the financial thing, it sounds like a political um program that is successful and all those people are hired by it don't want to lose their funding that's right and so then they extend the program and you never can get rid of it so that's a that's a new angle for me but I think too from a spiritual perspective and we could think about these kinds of things in terms of Ephesians 6 and the uh the spiritual battle that's going on and the schemes uh, of wickedness mm-hmm. in heavenly places mm-hmm. and that kind of thing one thing that I have noticed about this is the is the um, upending of the entire creation order, and it's yes. interesting when when Jesus was asked the question about uh, in Matthew 19 about marriage and remarriage remar- after divorce that kind of thing, he started with gender, sex. He said, "Have you not heard that from the beginning God made them male and female?" And uh, I think both of us have seen the attempt spiritually speaking, of the devil to undermine God's purposes for human flourishing in marriage with the same-sex marriage thing. And the reason that we've jumped from that now to the gender thing is because that's even prior, logically prior, and prior in the, um, in the creation order uh, to marriage. First, you got male and female. And so this just seems like a an attempt, spiritually speaking, I'm speaking of a spiritual scheme here, Ephesians 6, not what the whole crowd is trying to accomplish, but what they're being taken in by spiritually to uh, to accomplish, is to undermine God's creation order so that human beings, those who are image bearers, do not flourish the way God intended.
1: Oh, certainly. It's certainly a spiritual battle, and that's really what's behind it. Uh, and, of course, Satan can use money to motivate people to keep this thing going, even though, as Ruben said, if if 20 years ago the, the folks who are fighting for same-sex marriage said, you're going to get it, you you would at that point say, do I need to fight for anything else? No, we got it. We're going home. That, they're not going home. Yeah. The, the entire world has to destroy or has to crumble down before the people that want to destroy God's creation are going to be happy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So your book is now um, expanded to include this new cause celeb on transgender, which is, I mean, it's so crazy, Frank. It's it's just defies, it's even beyond defies logic to say that men can be pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I just read today, Um, about uh, uh, some educator that was fired—now they're litigating—but fired because he's a medical educator, and he said there are two sexes. He's doing medical work, you know, and some kids complain, students, and they're being fired. So this now is also a tool to enforce political correctness if people don't just go along with science and with common sense, they're going to be punished by losing their livelihoods.
1: Well, as I point out in the book, Greg, the University of Minnesota Medical School last fall told their students they had to take an oath. And one of the oaths or one aspect of the oath was they they had to work against getting rid of the gender binary. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the problem, as you and I know, as I point out in the book as well, there are 6,500 biological and psychological differences between men and women. And when it comes to treating people medically, you have to take into account their gender because men and women, obviously men don't need pap smears and women don't right. need prostate checks <laughs> and they metabolize uh, uh, drugs differently. Right. If you don't take into the, if you don't take that into account, you're actually going to mistreat them rather than treat them. That's right. This is the the craziness to which. Medicine has become politicized, mm-hmm. and some of the big organizations out there, like the American Medical Association and the and the APA and these other, they're they're bought into this. Greg, mm-hmm. it's scary what's
0: mm-hmm. going on. So, why do you think um, <clears throat> so many other organizations uh, and and cultural enterprises? Um, are kind of climbing on the bandwagon. You mentioned that some of these groups need to c- continue their funding. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's mm-hmm. just a very small slice. These are the people who make in the waves. But why uh, are all these other people surfing on the waves that they're making?
1: Well, you can get canceled if you don't, quite obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen that happen. That's why I thank God every day for the for ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. Right. right. Because they are coming and there are other organizations, the Thomas More, uh, there there's several others that first freedom, uh, that defend first religious liberty. freedom, yeah. conscious rights, yeah. conscience rights. Uh, in fact, you guys, you and Amy were just talking about on STR Ask about this recently, mm-hmm. where some guy said he wrote into you and he said do I have to attend a pride happy hour at my business? (laughs) And you were pointing out rightfully so that this is a conscience issue. You don't have to go to that thing, but Mm -hmm. you may be looked down on by your employer when you do that. Mm -hmm. But, you have an obligation to follow your
0: conscience, not follow whatever the culture or your employer wants you to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about same-sex marriage for a moment. <clears throat> like I said, I think this was a fait accompli. It's all done with. It's we're eight years now into uh, into uh, the Supreme Court of Burgerfield right to marriage for um, same-sex couples. Uh but you're revisiting this in a sense with the re-release of politically mm-hmm. uh, or correct, but not politically correct. And so um, is there still room for us to move in this issue or is this a done deal?
1: Well, it 50 years ago, or let's say uh, five or six years ago or five or six years after Roe v. Wade, people said it's over. It's a faded complete. Mm-hmm. Don't, you know, don't in any way think you're going to you're going to overturn Roe v. Wade because you're not. Mm-hmm. And look what happened. Some New York um, boisterous politician somehow made it to the presidency. And <laughs> since he didn't know anything about judges, he just asked the Federalist Society, who should I appoint? And they said, how about Gorsuch? Mm-hmm. How about Kavanaugh? How about um, uh, uh, Amy Coney Barrett? Mm-hmm. And he said, OK. Mm -hmm. And he got them through. And look where we are now. You you don't know what's going to happen in the future. You Mm -hmm. don't. Mm -hmm. And our job is to do what's right and leave the results to God. Mm -hmm. Even if politically we can never make any movement here, as I point out in the rewrite of Correct Not Politically Correct, I say— look, even if you can't make political progress on this issue, you might be able to make personal progress with people in your circle of influence. You want them to make the right choices. And if you can give them reasons as to why same-sex marriage is a bad idea or transgenderism is a bad idea personally, maybe you can save mm-hmm. them from a lot of pain and suffering.
0: Okay. So what would your basic approach be if you were instructed, you go into detail, obviously, in your re-release of correct, not mm-hmm. politically correct, but on this issue of same-sex marriage, what would your mm-hmm basic approach or counsel be to Christians on how to approach this issue with others without making reference to creation order, as I just did? I mean, that's kind of a common sense issue. Creation order is pretty common sense, so there's a lot of room to move without referring to the Bible. But what do you suggest? Well, my, my
1: first question is, Uh, What is the purpose of marriage from a government perspective? Mm -hmm. Why is the government involved in marriage to begin with? Mm -hmm. It's not because John loves Mary or Bill loves Steve. The reason the government's involved in marriage is to perpetuate and stabilize society. Mm -hmm. And the only relationship that can do that consistently and by design is a man-woman relationship. Mm -hmm. Because that man-woman relationship brings forth the next generation and nurtures stabilizes and, perp- and and perpetrates or perpetuates, I should mm-hmm. say, not perpetrate, perpetuates the next generation and civilization. Mm-hmm. And so from just a civilization point of view, the man-woman relationship must be put at a higher legal level than any other relationship. Mm-hmm. If you don't, if you say same-sex relationships are just like opposite-sex relationships when it comes to marriage— Basically what you're saying is marriage is genderless. Mm-hmm. And if marriage is genderless, it means it has nothing to do with children. Well, if there isn't if marriage isn't the institution that's supposed to protect children, which institution do we have that does?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Marriage is the institution that protects and nurtures children. So if for no other reason Opposite sex, what I call natural marriage. It's not tr- It's not just traditional. It's just not it, someone's idea. It's not a fad. Right. It's not a. It's not just someone's opinion. It's not just etiquette. It's based in the natural design of the man, wo- men and women coming together, procreating and bringing forth the next generation. Uh-huh. On that alone, that's the reason you have to put marriage between a man and a woman at a higher legal level than any other relation. Yeah,
0: this is. Uh, it's the way reality is structured, the mm-hmm. way I like to put it. And uh, I recall during the uh, the court case of Obergefell, one of the justices said something like this, maybe we ought to slow down a little bit on this, because the idea of same-sex marriage is not even as old as the cell phone. Mm-hmm. And this makes the point that cultures from the beginning of time have understood Uh, how marriage works, what it's for, and why um, communities and communities expressed by law as a government, um, why they have privileged and protected and uh, restricted uh, uh, marriage the way they have, because as a rule, as a group, and by nature, (laughs) they produce the next generation. And if, as you pointed out, If they uh, if if that weren't the case, there would be no reason for the government to intrude in private relationships Mm -hmm. to regulate them or privilege them. Can I say
1: one other thing about this, Greg? Yes. Uh, And this is also in the book. Correct. Not politically correct. There's only three things a government can do with any type of behavior. It can prohibit a behavior. It can permit a behavior or it can promote a behavior. Now, in our culture and in most cultures, for millennia, we've said we ought to prohibit homosexual relationships. Well, and even the Supreme Court said that as late as 1986 in the Bauer v. Hartwick case. Mm. They said nature basically shows that men and women come together and procreate and perpetuate society, but these same-sex relationships don't. It wasn't until 2003 with the Lawrence v. Texas decision that the Supreme Court, despite the fact that the Constitution hadn't changed, they suddenly said, oh, now the Constitution says you can't prohibit same-sex relationships. Now, we can argue whether it's wise or not to prohibit them. That's another question. But for most of our history, we prohibited them. And then we went to, okay, now we're going to permit this relationship. What same-sex marriage does and did only 13 years after they overturned the laws against sodomy, they went from permit to promote. Now we're saying as a government that a same-sex relationship is a good thing that ought to be promoted and it's on par with a man-woman relationship. Mm -hmm. Well, that just isn't true according to reality. Mm -hmm. It's not true with regard to children. It's not true with regard to the medical effects that Uh, that a man-woman relationship has versus a man-man or a a woman-woman relationship has. They're different relationships. And I've heard you say this before, that you treat equal things equally. You don't treat unequal things equally. Right, right. And in fact, the very quest for same-sex marriage presupposes the relationships aren't equal. Why? Mm -hmm. Because if the relationships were exactly the same, nobody would be arguing for same-sex marriage. These people would just marry somebody of the opposite sex and say, well, it's the same. There's no difference here. Mm-hmm. The very reason people have argued for same-sex marriage is because they know the relationships are not the same, hmm. that it's not the same to marry a same-sex partner as it is to marry an opposite okay, sex partner. D- okay, d-
0: take a moment and, and unpack that a little bit for us, Frank, that particular well, point. They- yes, because the the quest for same-sex marriage presupposes
1: if I'm a man— That marrying a woman is different than trying to marry a man. Uh, Men and women are different. Mm -hmm. That's why people want same-sex marriage.
0: They want to have the option to to do the different thing because they're not the same.
1: Because they're not the same. And and if they're not the same, then why do we treat them as the same? Mm -hmm. They have different results. They have different health consequences. They have different uh, medical consequences, as I mentioned. Uh, there there are many differences between a man-woman relationship and a same-sex relationship.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And so that's why they ought not be treated the same. We might say we can permit these relationships in a free society, but should we promote these relationships? And that's what I uncover in the book, correct? Not politically correct. Not using the Bible, Right. just using natural law and medical evidence and common sense.
0: Actually, permitting was what had happened with uh, domestic partnerships. Yes. People recall that phraseology because it, you guys could do whatever you want. What was interesting to me about this whole discussion when it was happening, of course we talked a lot about it, standard reason, I wrote a lot of stuff about it. Uh and now that's it's it's somewhat passé. But uh, this was not about um about one group of people gaining any liberties. Because nothing was uh, nothing was proscribed in terms of same-sex relationships. If they wanted to walk down the aisle to same-sex couple and pledge their troth until death do them part, and go on a honeymoon and set up housekeeping, and and all of those kinds of liberties that were related to uh, to natural marriage, they could do all of those things they they had all the liberties. What they didn't have was the uh, cultural approbation. They didn't have the approval of everybody. And the only way they could get the approval of everybody is for the government to declare that there is no f- real difference between a male and a female, especially as it it as it comes to this particular issue and and actually that's what has taken place with the transgender movement that followed it so i mean i I just made this connection in my own mind frank i hadn't thought about this before but that that consequence of of declaring essentially that what marriage is is just two names on a piece of paper and Mm -hmm. of course there's no reason now not to add three or four or five or six names on that piece of paper, it has nothing, it has no other meaning than that, that this is just the extension of the transgender movement saying that gender isn't anything fixed, it's a social construction. By the way, it's not even a social construction anymore, it's an individual construction. It's what any individual wants to declare of themselves at that moment in time.
1: The problem is, if that's all it is, then there's no right to it because rights don't come from just what I want. Rights come from the creator. Mm-hmm. If, if And we have a section in the book, correct, not politically correct, about the fact that there's no such thing as trans rights. There's no such thing as gay rights. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as Christian rights. There's no such thing as the right to life or the right to abortion. There's no such thing as the right to natural marriage or the right to same-sex marriage, unless God exists. Mm-hmm. And then you have to decipher what would god approve of or what does god approve of how how do we determine what 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 sure. rights are and sure. I, I don't think there's there's any in the past 5000 years of history any serious person until the last 10 minutes ago to try and say that people had the right to be the opposite sex mm-hmm. or people had the right to marry somebody of the same sex mm-hmm. that somehow that that was a right given to you by god no mm-hmm. it never was and even people that accepted Uh, Same-sex relationships, the ancient Romans and Greeks, they never said that
0: this ought to be marriage. Mm -hmm. They knew what marriage was. There's a wrinkle to this I just want to point out uh, about the rights issue, because I could say I have a right to get a driver's license if I'm of age and pass the tests, But that kind of right is something that's granted by the government, just in in terms of the um, function of government. And it's a conventional right that uh, it can change the requirements whenever it wants. But if somebody says that an individual has a right to something that the reigning authority has not allowed them to have, then they have to make uh, an appeal to a higher authority and that's the point mm-hmm. you're making here. Yes. And our founders said there are unalienable rights because God has given those, okay? But if there if if the government is I mean if there is no god, the government is the highest authority and the government can determine what rights you have under their law and if they don't give you those rights there is no place to appeal for mm-hmm. higher rights. So when the government didn't allow these kinds of things, what's the appeal? I think this goes to your point. I'm just making a distinction here. Uh what's the point of appeal? There is no place to appeal. In fact, if the government is giving rights and that's all that that tells the whole story and then you say the government's wrong, well on that assessment, it is the person who's going against the government that is the wrong in the wrong because the government is going to be right simply by definition. Just a, another form of relativism. Yeah, I, w- I, I would say
1: there's only two ways to govern, either by principle or power. And if you don't That's have right. principle that comes from God, then all you have is power. Mm-hmm. And that explains cancel culture. Yeah. Because people that can't reason and can't win a debate want to cancel the debate. Mm-hmm. And it's been put this way before. I think this is true. It's better to, de- to debate an issue and not settle it. Than to settle it without debating it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And that's what so many people want. They want to settle the issue without debating it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we call cancel culture, and that's governing by power rather than governing by the truth, mm-hmm. rather than governing by principle.
0: So in your book, uh, you have a lot of the original material in your mm-hmm. your uh, reprint or your third edition of Correct, Not Politically Correct, and that's um, about the, the same-sex marriage stuff that you've developed. You've, we've been talking about it. Then you go, and this, the new material is the hard facts about the trans Gender craze. So, how do you approach that as a Christian living in a secular culture? How do you approach that broad issue, Frank?
1: Well, first of all, I point out that love does not require approval, Mm. and the culture thinks it does. Uh, But every parent knows that if you approve of everything your 13 year old wants to do, you're not loving, you're unloving, you're enabling them. Mm -hmm. So, let's put that on the table first because people are going to say you're unloving if you oppose this. No, you're unloving. If you support it and you know it is hurting people and not helping them flourish. Mm -hmm. By the way, there's a transgenderism does not help
0: people flourish. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. There's a double edged sword here. This tolerance (laughs) street is a one way street because Mm -hmm. they never want to accept if the rule is, if you don't accept a person and celebrate their view and what they want of themselves, then you're unloving. They never want to apply that rule to those who disagree with them. Exactly. Okay. And those who disagree with them are haters, which then in their minds justifies hostile behavior and treatment towards those who disagree. So there's a shell game that's going on there. Uh, That's right. um, this is a this idea, though, of of this isn't loving your neighbor because transgenderism isn't something that's good for the individual, but is harmful to them. Spend some time and, tra- and uh, develop that thought for us, Frank.
1: Well, yes. Well, first of all, uh, let's point out that there are so many logical flaws in transgender ideology, because on one hand, Greg, people want to say uh, there are more than two genders and gender is completely fluid. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is the human body can only produce one of two things. It can produce either an egg or a sperm. There's no third category or no third thing a human body can produce. So we know there are people that can't produce either, but that would be an incapacity, not a third capacity. So that's number one. There are only two genders and that's true in the mammalian world. Secondly, Transgender advocates on one hand want to say genders are completely fruit fluid, but on the other hand, they unwittingly have to approve that there's only two genders why because if I'm a man and I think I'm a woman, I have to have some idea what a man is and some idea what a woman is mm-hmm. to know I have this thing called gender dysphoria
0: right If right. I
1: couldn't know what a man was or what a woman was, there would be no way
0: I could even know I had gender dysphoria. You couldn't say that you're you couldn't say that you're a, a woman trapped in a man's body. No. Because these are words yeah. that have no meaning. That's right. Mm-hmm. Secondly, That's good point. Uh,
1: if 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 I try and make the so-called transition, which biologically is impossible, but if I tried to do right. it, I would also have to have some idea what a man is and some idea what a woman is to try and make the transition. Now, this is why Matt Walsh's What is a Woman documentary has so many academics flummoxed because he simply asks, what's a woman? Right. And Greg... They won't answer the question because if they define what a woman is, then transgender ideology is false. Mm -hmm. If they if they don't answer at all, then transgender ideology is impossible. Why? Because if there are no women, then there is no gender dysphoria and there is no way to transition between men and women. Because if there are no women, what am I transitioning from or to? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's completely logically untenable mm-hmm. internally
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and then we also point out in the book correct not politically correct that, that sex is not assigned at birth it's discovered at birth and usually it's discovered beforehand right you have gender reveal parties and you know when a baby pops out doctors don't go hey what do you want to call this thing what do you yeah. think it is right, right? yeah you, you
0: know what it is no one to, not to be crude but at least to make a point no no one can assign a vagina or a penis you know, that's right. That's part of the original equipment. Uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, he's just making an observation about what's there. It is amazing to me that that has become an issue. In, and in fact, people have adopted this assigned at birth mentality. It, it's amazing. I'll tell you what's really amazing, and I didn't author this. I got it from somebody else, but it's clever. So I wish I did. It's amazing how often the doctors got it right. <laughs> right if they're just assigning yeah, right. wow it's just amazing they got lucky so many times like like 99.99 percent now uh of the time i you know and what do you do with title nine i was watching uh a little like a commercial thing i was picking up a pizza they're on the tv they had a sports thing on and then they had this commercial celebrating x amount of years of title nine now title nine It's a government uh, policy uh, that was, in part, meant to protect um, the distinction between the sexes by providing sports experiences for men And women separately. So if men could have this particular sport, women had to have the opportunity to have that sport too. Okay. What was really curious about this, Frank, is they were, they were talking about the, uh, and it was a, it was like a 60 second, you know, montage of film and the beginning of Title IX and women having their own thing and everybody celebrating. And then it flowed into, the gender shift stuff, and now isn't it wonderful that men can be women, and now women can compete against—I mean, men can compete against women, or men who think they're women—and they were displaying it as the the uh, the next level of human rights and the success of Title IX when it turned out to be the destruction of Title IX, totally, because now you have happening and promoted by so many people, the very thing that Title IX was meant to protect women from, and that is having to compete against men. Well, Greg,
1: it, it, this is why many feminists are against the transgender ideology, because it erases women. As J.K. Rowling, who wrote the whole Harry Potter series, has right. pointed out, she says, you're erasing women. Yeah. I have nothing against people that, that, that want to be trans, whatever that means, right, uh, from her perspective. I think she's Pretty much politically liberal, but she's pointing out you're erasing women. If you're saying that people, that there are no fixed genders, yeah. then there are no women. And if there are no women, there are no women's rights. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah,
0: you know, Martina Navratilova, Nev- she yes. came out too, and famous mm-hmm. tennis star, a uh, lesbian, and for the same reason, you know. And so it's kind of interesting that the left is cannibalizing itself in some ways here on this. And th- th- all this goes to is the point that you make in your book for all the reasons that you do, um, correct, not politically correct, that, uh, uh, that 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 this is completely confused. This is completely contrary to nature and is contrary to common sense.
1: And Greg, uh, it's also contrary to biology, which makes it impossible to change your biology from right. one biology to another. You have forty hundred or, or, or forty trillion or a hundred trillion cells, depending upon what biologist. You I've read. lost count, Frank. Yeah, there is no way <laughs> to change your biology. In fact. I have uh, some, some quotes in here from a lady that tried to become a man. She goes by Scott Nugent now. In fact, she appeared in Matt Walsh's documentary. Mm-hmm. And here's what she says about her own transi- transition, Greg. Listen to this. She says, during my own transition, I had seven surgeries. I also had a massive pulmonary embolism, a helicopter flight ride, an emergency ambulance ride, a stress-induced heart attack, mm-hmm. sepsis a 17th month recurring infection due to using the wrong skin during a failed, uh, a failed surgery to give her a male sex organ, 16 rounds of antibiotics, three weeks of daily IV antibiotics, the loss of all my hair, only partially successful arm reconstructive surgery permanent lung and heart damage, a Mm. cut bladder, insomnia-induced hallucinations, oh, and frequent loss of consciousness due to pain Mm. from hair on the inside of my urethra. All this led to a form of PTSD that made me a prisoner in my own apartment for a year. Between me and my insurance company, medical expenses exceeded $900,000, unquote. Mm. Now, The reason that this is being pushed medically, at least partially the reason, is big pharma makes big money on this, Greg. Mm -hmm. In fact, nobody fully transitions. Mm -hmm. Anybody who even gets the surgery has to stay on hormones to keep trying to direct their body in an unnatural way. Mm -hmm. And that is huge money for Mm -hmm. big
0: pharma. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the social circumstance, apart from the uh, financial circumstances, there's tremendous pressure um to um to go along with this because it's the way in a certain sense to be nice or to be kind to people mm-hmm. you know so they feel like uh they can be authentic themselves with their new identity and uh but it turns out and i i, I sometimes lose track of this statistic i have it in, in just recently in street smarts when i talked about this um and I think it's something like even in in uh, Sweden, where they're very sanguine about this kind of thing, the suicide rates for those who are transgender is still like 20 times the normal yeah, amount. It's 19 times higher
1: than the general public after the surgery, Greg. This yeah. is after the surgery. So there is a honeymoon period where people feel better generally after they get the surgery. But at the 10 year mark, all proverbial hell breaks loose and the suicide rate goes to 19 times higher than the general public. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So why would you send anybody down this road especially children? By the way, mm-hmm. the other data that needs to be shown here is that 80% of young people who have what is now called rapid onset gender dysphoria which according to Abigail Schreier, and we we quote her in the book correct not yeah. politically correct is almost certainly fueled by social media. It's mm-hmm. a social media contagion.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Because a decade or so ago Uh, true gender dysphoria affected about one out of every 10,000 men who thought Mm -hmm. they were women. Mm -hmm. Now, according to Schreier, there are some girl schools she goes to, Greg, that 30% of the girls are claiming to be trans. How did you go in one in 10,000 men to 3,000 in 10,000 girls? This is a social media contagion. And here is the main point of this, that 80% of those young people who have gender dysphoria or even rapid onset gender dysphoria Mm -hmm. grow out of it by the time they're 18. Yet the Biden administration, Greg, wants to actually sexually transition young people and have threatened to take kids away from their parents if the parents don't take them down the road of what they call gender affirming care. This was put out by the Biden administration on March 31st, 2022, I cited in the book, correct, not politically correct,
0: this is madness. Mm -hmm. Schreier's book is Irreversible Damage, and uh, she she makes all these points. In fact, uh, we've had gender dysphoria for a long time, but it usually occurred only in boys that uh, around the ages of two to three or four years old, that's when it showed up. It almost never happened with women. Now it's principally with women. Uh, predominantly with women in their teenage years. And uh, this point about, about I'm chuckling because I'll tell you a bit, this point about uh, this uh, social contagion, you know, is mm-hmm. really legitimate. I'm chuckling because um, somebody writing against Schreier and her assessment, and it's a devastating assessment, it's very sound, she's a very good writer, and she's a good researcher, and this is a this book, Irreversible Damages, is uh, really a must-read for anybody looking at this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But somebody came out against Schreier, and that book was a lot of attempts to ban the book so nobody could even read it um, on Amazon and it, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, they said they, there was no scientific evidence at all for uh, gender dysphoria being a social contagion, which I had to laugh at, and that's why I was chuckling a moment ago, because social contagions are not scientific things. They're social <laughs> things. That's why mm-hmm. they're called social contagions. Mm-hmm. They are they are uh, patterns that you see in society, like, for example, um, cutting. Cutting became a big deal and a problem for so many people, especially women, because, you know, they had it on the Internet, people read about it, and they started doing it. And uh, right now, it is kind of cool to be transgender. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of, in fact, it used to be cool to be gay. Then it was cool to be bi. And now they've fallen off. And now it's the trans crowd that's really cool. And when you have all of these social um, powers, if you will, or influences that are driving people in a certain direction, all of the reinforcement, and then you have confused. Teenagers, especially women, and I think women when they get uh, to—females when they get to adolescence, it's harder for them. You know, Mm -hmm. people who have daughters know this. Guys get easier. Uh, Boys get easier when they reach adolescence. Girls get harder when they reach adolescence. And so it's not surprising then when they reach these difficult— this difficult stage of development, that they're going to have trouble, and then somebody suggests, hey, you know, maybe you're not really a girl, you're really a boy, and uh, we'll help you change that, even if your parents aren't interested in it. Uh, You know, and, and maybe you have something to say about this point, too, and this is, it seems to me, Frank, that that those people that are suffering from gender dysphoria, and true gender dysphoria is a terrible condition. And uh, and we ha- ought to be sympathetic regarding people who are suffering from that, and also for those who are, are suffering from something, though it's not gender dysphoria. But keep in mm-hmm. mind, when a man says, I am a, a woman in a man's body, or a woman says, I am a man in a woman's body, that's an acknowledgment that something's wrong. Yes. It's so obvious something's wrong. Well, now, what what they think is mm-hmm. it's the body that's wrong and not yes. the mind that's wrong. And right. so they try to change the body. In the past, we understood the body's just fine. What's right. what's problematic is the way you're developing and thinking about it, and we can help with that. And like well, you Greg, said, so research, many of that experience that, just uh, they grow out of it naturally. The research
1: shows, which we cite and Correct Not Politically Correct, is that— People that experienced true gender dysphoria, not the rapid onset social media contagion, but right. true gender dysphoria nearly always have some sort of trauma in their past. Right. In fact, Walt Heyer, who for years, eight years, tried to live as a woman and then became a Christian and detransition, started a ministry called sexchangeregret.com. Mm-hmm. You can go there and get great information. And Heyer has, according to him, interviewed thousands of people who are regretting what they've done. And he he always asked them, when did you start to feel that you were the opposite gender? And he says, they always have an event. And he says, for example, uh, a a boy that wants to become a woman may have been sexually abused. And what he wants to do is get rid of the organ that was sexually abused. Mm -hmm. You can can, can understand the psychology behind it. Mm -hmm. But he also found, and others have found, that nearly always, well, but the actual stat is 62 percent of young people that claim to be trans have some other mental health condition,
0: mm-hmm.
1: whether it is uh, some sort of other disorder, whether it could be ADHD or it could be autism or something. There's some other issue going on. Mm-hmm. And this is why Chloe Cole, I think she's out there in California. I don't know if you've heard of her. We talk about her in the book. Uh, She uh, experienced gender dysphoria and her her breasts were removed when she was about 15 years old. Mm. Now she's 18 or 19 and she's suing her doctors, Greg, because Mm -hmm. she says, I, I, I I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I didn't, I I couldn't give you informed consent. What did you do to me? And this, by the way, you mentioned earlier, Sweden over in the UK, which had gender clinics before us, they were ahead of us on this issue. They're closing them now, Greg, Why? Because now these people they operated on 10 years ago are suing them mm-hmm. and those gender clinics are closing because they're not going to survive the lawsuit. So that's one good thing that's come out of this yeah. is the very the the, the very Joseph Mengele type experiments. These are Chloe mm-hmm. uh, Cole's words on this are now coming back to bite these people that have done this. Yeah. I agree with Elon Musk. Any doctor that does this to a child ought to be locked up.
0: Yeah, I uh, it's. Well, they would have to lock up a massive number in the medical profession and not just the doctors, but all those who promoted and all the politicians, etc. This is just simply grotesque child abuse. And I think you're right about this, um, what you're referencing here in the UK and now beginning to happen here, because on the one hand, you know, you wonder... How can this possibly be turned around sociologically? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I despair that people are going to come to their senses on this issue, but it can be turned around legally by tort law. If enough doctors get sued and it's starting to happen, this will end immediately. And uh, and then all of a sudden, um, you're not going to have all of these thousands of people this multitude, really more than thousands of that are, that are afflicted with gender dysphoria. You said something like 60%, 62%, uh, 62% have some other other health
1: condition. Well, what
0: the other 38% have is the, the health issue of called adolescence. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, and I think there, there's a lot of that going on. It's just confused people. And instead of getting help from the adults that are, um, are principals in their lives, like uh, even their, their parents in many cases, but certainly the schools. Instead of getting help for that, they are getting encouragement to go the dangerous way. And well, it's 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 normal to feel odd when you're going through puberty. We need to mm-hmm. tell
1: young people that yeah. it's normal to feel odd. And to then say, well, no, we're going to give you a, a hormone blockers and cross-sex hormones and God forbid surgery. Mm-hmm. That is not the solution. Even those, as we mentioned, who get the surgery, it doesn't fix the problem, Greg. Mm-hmm. These people need good medical or mental health care. And Dr. Paul McHugh at uh, John Hopkins University points out that, uh, that this is analogous to anorexia. Mm-hmm. If your daughter was anorexic because she had a psychological mismatch between her mind and her body. Right. You would never say, honey, in order to help you, you're right. Your mind is Mm -hmm. right. Your body's wrong. Let me give you a liposuction. Mm -hmm. You would never do that. Mm -hmm. Right. You would never if your daughter claimed she was a mermaid, you wouldn't take her off the coast and drop her in the ocean. (laughs) You would say, honey, honey, I, I need to help you. You're experiencing a mental delusion here. But why do we do this on transgenderism? I'll tell you the reason we do it on transgenderism is because it's sex. And the new religion in America is the religion of mm-hmm, sex. Mm-hmm. And you can't touch that religion. Mm-hmm. You, you're, you're seen as a prude. You're seen as somebody who uh, is outside the mainstream. If you say, don't go down this road. Yeah. Anorexia is not treated that way. Ableism isn't treated that way. Uh, but somehow... Somehow transgenderism yeah, is that way.
0: I remember when uh, Bruce Jenner came out years ago and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of calls are or- emails, whatever, came to the office uh, asking questions about it. And my team here said, well, we need to make a video where you offer some thoughts. And I said, why do we need to make a video? Why why would people be confused? But it turned out that they were confused, you know, because Mm -hmm. of pressure from the culture and everything. And uh, so I I did make a video. But here was my simple point. Bruce Jenner is confused. That Mm. doesn't mean we need to be confused. That's right. This isn't that hard. This is simple. In the beginning, God made it this way, male and female. You don't need a Bible to know that. Yeah, You don't need to know hardly anything to know. You just got to be a reasonably observant human being. And by the way, you can figure that out at five years old. You know, this isn't hard. But people, uh, even Christians, have been, have been uh, beaten up on this issue. And my recommendation—I'm interested uh, for you to respond to this, too—my recommendation regarding this issue— um, and you talk about things, about how to re- re- react and uh, or uh, uh, respond uh, socially in your book. Um, but I'm just thinking, for a lot of Christians, what we're not asking people to do is for them to change their mind. I mean, there's a way to do that, and you talk about that. But minimally, we're just a- asking them to let us have our own views. And, uh, you know, people say, you guys used to— you force your views on other people in the past just Mm -hmm. because we thought we were correct. That's forcing your view. Now they are forcing the view in the sense that we're not allowed to even express our view, but what we have to express is affirmation of the other view. And so we're not even allowed to have our own view and to be authentic about our own convictions when they are asking us to support the so-called authenticity Mm -hmm. of transgender.
1: Everybody's trying to impose a moral point of view. That happened to be the first book I co-wrote with Dr. Geisler was called Legislating Morality. Everybody thinks it's just a Christian's trying to legislate morality. No, everyone's trying to legislate a moral position. Mm-hmm. The only question is, who's morality? Mm-hmm. And I don't want my let my morality legislated, Greg. I don't want your morality legislated. I want the morality
0: legislated. right. right.
1: one Thomas Jefferson said was self-evident. And it's self-evident there are men and women. It's self-evident that men were made for women and women were made for men. I didn't make that up. It's mm-hmm. not my morality. Mm-hmm. It just happens to be the morality. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question, Greg, because uh, I I think this is the question of our day today when it comes to the church. You've got Bill Maher, who's an atheist, who came out and said this. He said, "Kids go through phases. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a pirate. Right. Thank God nobody took me seriously and took me for peg leg and eye removal surgery. Right. Right." You've got Douglas Murray, who identifies as gay, yet he's against the transgender issue. You've got Dave Rubin, who identifies as gay. He's against the transgender issue. You've got J.K. Rowling, who who may identify with the Church of England, but is probably not an evangelical. She's against this. Greg, why do we have atheists and non-believers leading the charge on this issue when I can name on one hand the number of pastors that have spoken out on this?
0: Yeah. Well, um, two things come to mind very quickly. Both start with C. First is common sense, and most of us have that. But the other thing that's missing is courage. Mm-hmm. And so the ones you uh, talked about, Bill Maher, he's courageous. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave Rubin, courageous. The, the Rolling, courageous. They don't care what the world thinks about them. They are willing to take the heat for standing for common sense that matters, okay? Mm. Now, they might not (laughs) execute or express common sense in other issues that having to do Mm -hmm. with God or whatever, but nevertheless, on this one, this is a no-brainer, all right? And I— Well, there's—I mean, I can't give you a perspective of what—how the cross-section of pastors, but I know that there are a lot of pastors uh, that are standing firm on this when they have opportunity. I don't know how public they're going, and maybe that's a concern you have. They should be, you know— Going public in some way, but in my church, I know that my pastor is standing firm and teaching the truth on these issues. Um, But he's not a player in the public scene, and so nobody—you know—he's going to have a press conference. Who's going to show up? I suspect that there are a lot of uh, pastors that are in his category. However, um, there that does raise an issue: why why not more publicly savvy and well positioned Christians aren't um, uh, going? Public like these others have gone and uh, and uh, making it making a statement about this I I, I can't answer that uh, the the church is a is a hodgepodge of <laughs> different beliefs and uh, different levels of commitment and um, in many cases there is not the courage that is necessary and we saw this during COVID. There is not the courage that is necessary to say no when we need to say no in the body of Christ to the powers that be. There's a cost involved when they do that, and they're just not willing to pay the price.
1: Well, this is how we end the book, Correct Not Politically Correct, the new section on it. We talk about the fact that we need courage, and I ask people, if we don't have the courage to protect children from being mutilated, Mm -hmm. what what do we have the courage for, Greg? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, on our watch, we're going to allow children to be mutilated when we know what the data show. We know this is not going to turn out well. And we're worried that somebody in the left or somebody in the media or somebody at our job or somebody online is not going to like us because we say don't mutilate children. It's not good for them. Really? We don't deserve to have a voice in the public square if we're not If we don't have enough courage to talk about this issue. Yeah, well, I mean, this is madness. And when the government is actually threatening to take your children away from you mm -hmm. over this issue, Mm -hmm. they will take your kid out of your control and give that kid cross sex hormones or surgery. And you're going to sit on the sidelines and go, we can't get involved. Mm -hmm. What are you going to get involved with?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, fortunately, there is a groundswell of resistance. And uh, I think it's fueled by the concern. You guys can do all kinds of stuff. It's going to make me mad. I don't like it. You come after my kids, and that's where mm-hmm. I draw the line. And so there is a groundswell of resistance that we see. Um, I don't know how the lines are drawn with regards to Christians or non-Christians. But parents are parents, and they're protecting their kids. And you don't have to be a biblical scholar to have the common sense to see what's going on here. Um, I. I was going to ask you the question, we just got a couple minutes, of of how parents should be responding to issues of their own children if kids start expressing um, tra- uh, 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 gender dysphoria. And that their feelings. I did see a a clever little cartoon. It was a little picture of a mom. It's like from the 50s. It wasn't a cartoon. It was Mm -hmm. an image like from a 50s ad or something. Mm -hmm. There was mom and her daughter making a cake or something there in a 50s kitchen. And the the girl said, "Um, Mom, I think I'm a boy. And mom says, No, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> just like that yeah. but um it is hard for parents now do you yeah. have any suggestions yes. uh, for them in the last what uh, two minutes or three minutes that we have here
1: yeah right? as i've done several podcasts on this the first thing the parent should not do is freak out do not freak out if your kid comes to you with something like this says mom dad i'm trans be calm and say thank you for telling me first question what do you mean by trans hmm. second question why do you think you are trans? Basically, how did you come to that conclusion? Those two questions uh, right, from the tactics familiar. Book, yeah. Right? Right from the tactics book. Um, oh, do feelings always tell you the truth? Do your feelings ever change? Obviously, your feelings have changed because last month you weren't trans. Now you are trans. Do you think your feelings may change again? Mm-hmm. Do you realize that according to the data, if you really feel this, that by the time you hit 18, you won't feel it anymore? Oh have you looked into the uh, to the uh, accounts of what happens when you try and go down this road? Do you know what happens to you medically? Hmm. Have you read any of this? That's what we include in the book, correct? Not politically correct. Right. We include all that because chances are they haven't. This is a social media contagion. contagion. They're struggling with self-image. They're going through puberty, which is odd anyway. They want to be on the in-group. This is completely, in many cases, probably most cases, just a cry for attention and they're confused and you as a parent have to be the parent. Mm -hmm. So you don't freak out. You try and get them off social media and you ask them those questions and have a rational discussion about it.
0: Well, um, just to revisit something I said earlier, just because the world is confused doesn't mean that we need to be confused. People say we read about it. Oh, there are like, uh, hundreds <laughs> hundreds of genders and gender is, is flexible. No, gender is not flexible. Imaginations are flexible. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Gender is not flexible. And it doesn't take a Bible. It doesn't take a medical degree. Uh, you don't have to be a pediatrician as was it the one Supreme Court Justice. Oh, when yeah, she was yeah. asked the question about that, what's a woman? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, don't I don't know. I'm not a biologist. <laughs> well,
1: then, how could she be the first black woman on the Supreme Court if she doesn't know what a woman is?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's right. Great point. Does it invalidate her her, her appointment? <laughs> they should have asked her. Do you have a pet? Really? What? Yes. Yes. What kind? It's a dog. Really? Are you a veterinarian? Yeah, that's right. How do you know that? Anyway, there's our music, Frank. That means we're out of time here. But I'll see you tomorrow at CIA Thanks, uh, uh, the wonderful morning. Cross-Examined Instructor Academy. Thank you for your re-release of Correct, Not Politically Correct. You can get it on Amazon, and I may, you might have a website on it or something. Crossexamined.org,
1: we have them there, too. Cheaper there
0: than the great Frank Turek. Thank you, Frank. The greater Greg Kokel. And the greatest <laughs> Amy, Amy Hall. Hall there you go. All right. All right, friends, that's it for... Uh, This hour, Greg Kochel here for Stand to Reason. Give them heaven. Bye-bye now.